Hi guys, welcome back to the Find Through Depression podcast with me, your host Paul Gallagher. This channel has presented a lot of new insights to me since I've started this. I've been podcasting for about maybe two or three months now, or maybe five or six, and with each week that I do this podcast, it allows me to see a different side to myself and my views and then I question them. And one thing in particular that I've began questioning is what truly causes depression? It's been an age old question to what causes suffering and what is the purpose of suffering, but we really still, despite various advances within psychological studies, we're still, I would argue, in our very primitive stages. And to provide some context into this, I would like you to consider this. So if we look at towards the late 19th century or the 1800s, diabetes was killing a lot of people. So a lot of scientists observed this. They noticed that there was a causation of a lot of children looking malnourished and dying despite eating. They observed they tried a lot of trial and errors and they found that it was because of an either an overproduction of insulin or a deficiency of insulin. Do not quote me on that. However, they had trial and error. They found out that it was something to do with the insulin or the pancreas or liver. I don't know which organ, pardon me. And then once they could inject insulin into the body, it was cured. However, what causes depression? Like, so we know that, for an instance, it is an illness. Same way that influenza is an illness, coal is an illness, cancer is an illness. It's it's the same type of illness, but we do not view it in the same way, because how do we treat it? Do we treat it based on someone's feelings or emotions? Because then again, those are very subjective. There's no objective standards to compare of people's feelings. So, for example, so you put somebody and you crack a joke to them. Some people subjectively will think that joke was offensive and they didn't find it funny. Somebody else would subjectively feel that that was funny, that was tasteful. And this could be also argued within our emotions. Now, there's also the physical aspect towards a mental illness like depression. So, usually we see a high degree of inflammation. We see, and this is a debatable one, and this is where they started prescribing SSRIs, so serotonin inhibitors, uptake, reuptake inhibitors, pardon me. However, does serotonin levels necessarily relate to someone with depression? So they did a study there, uh, I think it was in the 1990s, 1980s, do not quote me on that. You'll be hearing this a little from me because I'm just spitting. That there's people within the general population, some people who had high levels of serotonin and they were fine. Some people who had very low levels of serotonin, no depression. People with moderate levels of serotonin, very low. No depression. And then you would have had 
a variety of people that would fit into all categories. So, now that we have that historical context of we think serotonin is the problem, is that the only thing that causes depression? And to be honest, I would argue no. So let's look at other aspects of why people may suffer from depression. There is isolation. So maybe some people, based on their work, they could be in an office by themselves for ages. They could be a cleaner by themselves for ages with no human interaction, no true meaning of interaction. And then they'll be working for maybe nine, ten hours a day. It might take them half an hour, one hour to get to work. So that's 10 hours that they could be away from friends and family and not connecting. Then they start feeling lonely and they isolate themselves further, which makes the depression even worse. And then they continue this vicious little cycle. So that could be one aspect of it. There could be feeling fulfilled within your life. That could be an aspect that can cause depression too. So you could have... And this happens to people who appear successful, quote unquote. You could see that with people who they've got the degree, they've went to a prestigious college, they've got the dream job, they've got a good salary, they've got the car, they've got the house, they've got the wife with the big tits and the fucking swimming pool in the back garden. Yet, some of these people are probably the worst suffering from depression. You see some people who don't have any of that, who didn't go to college, could have dropped out of school, worked a job they fucking hate, are struggling to survive and still feeling unfulfilled in their life. So that could be another aspect of what causes depression. It's the fulfillment of their life that could cause it. Thirdly, it can be physiologically. Now, I am an absolutely big believer in how you look after your physical body treats your it correlates with your mental health as well. So there's an old saying, and it's very cliche, and you've probably heard it a hundred times: "You are what you eat." So if you're going to be eating Mars bars for breakfast, you're going to get a sugar high, and then you're going to get a sugar crash. Insulin plus sugar, as I mentioned earlier causes inflammation, inflammation which is a marker for depression, and it also affects gut bacteria which also influences the way our body works. So we've hit on very dense topic there, so that's another causation. And then obviously a lack of physical activity, the body is designed for you to move. We are not meant to be sitting down for 9 or 10 hours every single day in an office desk, we're not. We're made to be running in fields, catching food, picking berries. That is what our bodies was designed for. So that could be another factor too, because remember, I touched on this in the previous podcast. In some studies, they have shown that exercise has been more effective, if not equally effective, than antidepressants. And it's a lot cheaper and probably less adverse effects on your mind and your body. So that could be another. And then obviously there's the external factors that cause depression too. So a traumatic event, well, we can't control that. Somebody that you care about might upset you. You could 
be going through a breakup, which is always tough. I'd argue very rewarding, but still very tough. The death of a family member or a loved one, which is very hard to get over. Like you'd never truly get over that person. And that can cause a, a bout of depression. So now that we know of certain causes, and now that we've touched them, how do we remedy those and amalgamate them? Do we just focus on one and pick it away at it? Well, what I'd argue is based on people that I've talked to, based on people who have studied psychology, I and even fitness and nutrition, I would actually argue adopting methodological pluralism. That's a big word I still left in sociology. It just means using a variety of methods. So you're feeling lonely and isolated, which could be a cause of depression. Take up an activity that incorporates social interaction with other people. A cooking class could be jujitsu, a sport. It could be going for a walking group. It could be just picking up the phone and ringing someone that is very close to you if they have time for half an hour, an hour. You could change your diet, not eat those refined sugars and eat a balanced diet that suits you. Exercise, maybe half an hour, an hour a day. Don't have to go to the gym, walk to work. If you live within the proximity, instead of taking the elevator, take the stairs, do some push-ups on the floor, some sit-ups. You don't need a gym membership. Also, fulfillment, which we what about taking up an activity that challenges your ability to do a certain task? So that could be learning how to cook a meal. Cooking with your family, like cooking a meal is very stressful. You have to get the ingredients, you have to, you have to measure everything, you have to cook them a certain way and assemble them. And then if you're cooking for family and friends, you have to present it within a certain way. So, or maybe even just doing something that you've never done before. And I've said this on a variety of my episodes on this podcast, is to try new things, things that might scare you, things that will make you be uncomfortable when you become more uncomfortable when you do things that you've never done before your entire comfort zone just expands it grows and the best analogy that i can think of is when you are learning to walk as a child you started crawling and you start standing on your feet for maybe a couple of seconds and then you fell on your ass and then you didn't know that failure was a bad thing with your child so what you did was You'd, you know, you'd stand up and you'd hold on to something and then maybe you take, try to take one step and you fall again. And then you might fall maybe 100, 200, 300, 400 times and then you take your first step. And then you're developing some proficiency. It's walking and then you start running. And then as we get older, we learn that when we fail, it's a bad thing and we get shy and we get nervous. And then sitting down, which if we do that for too long, we're going to get lazy and probably depressed. So granted, I understand that that was a very dense topic to dive into. However, if we don't start a conversation and dialogue about difficult matters, how do we truly begin to understand them? How do we break them down? How do we learn from them? 
So I am going to leave it there. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope you've seen some insight into it. And also, if you would like to support the channel, this podcast is supported by MyProtein, Europe's online leading sports supplement company. If you use the code PAULRR00, that's P-A-U-L-R-R-0-0, you get 30% off your next order. So, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and I'll see you next week for another one. Take care. Peace.